0: Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes! Yes! Y'all!
1: From today, from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville Texas seven years. I can't even do this. <laughs> Texas Football Today, a show whose phones don't work. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live, TexasFootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all the places that are listed on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks, Miss 305. She's Ashley Pickle. Hi, friends. How are you? Are you sad that Max didn't answer the call? Yeah, I know. That was gonna be good. That was gonna be good. Good bowl. As yeah. our as our Aggie friends are.
0: I just need from. him to call me back. But now I'm convinced that he's gonna look at the like if say he sees it at twelve thirty, he's gonna look at the time and go. Now they're doing a show.
1: But if we're calling right now, then he would just no. Anyway, do we have it? Do we have it like plugged in so that oh, yeah. he calls? Like it'll ring through my ears too. Uh
0: yeah yeah I can. I can leave it. It's turned up, so you should be able to hear it.
1: Today is Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, 37 days till Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Neo. Oh, nice. Neo's 43 today. I like Neo. Uh, Episode 1,480 on today's show, folks, folks. We're going to count down the five biggest college football moments from the weekend, including TCU's overtime heroics and the best route run by a wide receiver in Texas college football this week, or this year, rather. We'll here, talk to them, or hear from them. Then, we'll be joined by Craig Way, the Texas High School Bowl Hall of Famer. Joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football today to talk a little high school football. And I'm just going to straight up just ask him be like, What's the best game of the week? I'm not even going to give him like the three. Yeah,
0: gonna... because that's even more cruel than giving. That him is options. crueler.
1: It's more cruel. Yeah, if yep. I were to narrow it down, that makes his job easier. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna be even, even meaner. Yeah. Uh, and then back after the show, we're gonna roll out the Dave Campbell's Texan Live Top Ten Plays of the Week presented by Body Armor. So stay tuned for that. Do we have first four through the door?
0: We sure do. It was Aaron Arbuckle. Zero three bodied stepside Robert ah. and Rob Hathaway welcome in, fellas. You know that's and possibly lady Fellas. That's a beautiful. That's
1: a beautiful Christian name.
0: Yeah, zero three beautiful. bodied stepside. Mm-hmm. All
1: right, pickle. The college football weekend has come to a close, and it's weird. Like, do you ca- let me ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Do you count the SMU game on Wednesday? As a game this weekend,
0: no, I would count it as a game on the week it was supposed to be right, played it, like it, it, which it, means that we 're not going to put it in the top five moments of the yeah. week, but sorry, yeah, exactly they had to deal with the hurricane i don 't really feel bad for SMU at this point
1: yeah I just, i don 't <laughs> know it was it was a weird situation, but the college football weekend has come to a close, and there were some monumental moments uh, scattered hither and yon across the state of Texas and the state of college football. Of course, uh, you can go to Republic of Football for their Outstanding Sunday Recap Edition, and they'll have another episode tomorrow. Um, this is uh, going to be a, f- uh, a, a top five college football moments of the weekend for Week 7. And uh, some, uh, I would say, some teams that maybe we didn't expect to be in here, starting with number five. It's Iowa day in the
2: backfield for the Mean Green, and they'll go to him on first down. Iowa Dee breaks some extra speed. One play, 92 yards, day to the end zone. Hey, he on the house call, he is going to hit his head on the goal post. No one is going to stop him. And all of that was set up by number 54, Weiwo doing a wonderful job.
1: Ayoade runs wild in North Texas's romp over Louisiana Tech. So that's like the big—that's the big play, I think, from that game, from, mm-hmm. from their win over Louisiana Tech. Now I want to be very clear about this: that Louisiana Tech is—I'm checking my notes here—very bad.
0: Yeah, they're. It's not going well for Sunny Cumbia. Out there.
1: They're they're real bad. It's, it was always going to be a rebuild. I yeah. I don't hold that against them. No, 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 Um But they're pretty bad. But that said, North Texas treated them like you should treat a bad team, mm-hmm. which is they went out there and they just kind of pummeled them and they punked them. And and the most impressive thing, the most impressive thing about them, was the running game. They ran for four hundred seventy five yards. Call four seven five. We have said all year long just. Don't make Austin Ony do everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he's fine, but he's not good enough to be like, I don't know, he's not Cam Newton. No. You can't ask him to go out there and do everything. And that is, I think, indicative of what you saw in, in this, this, this week. They ran the ball 47 times for 475 yards. They only threw the ball 21 times. That is, like, they're not going to be able to run that well, like, all the time, but, like, and part of it was that they were up early, or they were up early, so they were trying to run out the clock. But that type of split and being able to run the ball effectively, I don't need them to run for 10 yards carry. I need them to run for, like, five. They do that, and they're they're cooking with Crisco.
0: From a person that has watched a lot of North Texas football, um, the fact that we have an offensive line at this point that can create holes for 475 yards of rushing, it was the largest breath of fresh air in years.
1: And by the way, this is now officially a trend for North Texas, okay? They ran for, now they ran for 348 against Southern Texas Southern. That's an FCS team, right? But they ran for 300 last week against FAU, and they ran for 475 this week. They are running wild. And by the way, this is the first 400 games yard rushing attack since they won at middle Tennessee in 2020 or in, uh, in 2020 they ran for 462. So they are not a team that under Seth Luttrell have, has run the ball particularly well. In fact, yeah, as far as it gets an FBS opponent, they've only done it under Seth Luttrell, one other time does that mean? Yeah, a I mean game to be fair,
0: there, it was Graham Harrell's air, air raid didn't lean to that. They didn't need to run that's as much. Fine. But... That's
1: fine. But what I'm saying is that in the new look, in the way that that no, North Texas should play, in mm-hmm. my opinion, playing to their strengths because you because yes, yeah, you yeah. don't have QB one. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's the way they got to go. So anyway, great win for North Texas. Number four.
2: For FIU, third three big play here. Ladder stages, first half. Harris feels the heat. Hit as he throws. Dishman, the catch. Splitting for the end zone. Touchdown. Dan Dishman, the redshirt sophomore, has his first touchdown grab. It's 42 yards, and the roadrunners
1: back on the board. This is a universal concept in college football. That's called a seven-round. The safety has to stay outside leverage, not look into Dan Dishman and Frank Harris carve up FIU in a romp over, uh, the, over the Panthers. This was not always good for, for UTSA, uh, but it, they did what they needed to do. Um, most especially, Frank Harris was pretty darn sharp in this game. 300 yards passing once again. Um, he has been very, very good. He's taken care of the football, and he spread the ball around. Uh, they, had, uh, they had six different guys who had more than one catch. That's really good, and and you know we talk a lot about their trio of receivers in Franklin Clark and Cephas, but they're a, if they're able to work in their tight ends like Cardenas and Dishman, then they're going to be trouble. They're going to be big trouble, especially this week when they get a, a suddenly huge game against North Texas. North Texas and UTSA is is suddenly a massive massive matchup of unbeaten's in conference play, uh, for kind of the catbird seat in CSA West. So, huge win for UTSA. You got to win. You got to win your clunkers. That game was scoreless at, uh, after one quarter and they hit the Jets in the second and a big reason why that, that was the dagger because FIU was never coming back from down 17 to 3 no so there you go number 3 uh, your run game obviously the screen's there to get it started Mathis again
2: Uh-oh. big one for Mathis Mathis turns on the burners down the sideline and inside the 10 first and goal for West Virginia as Devin Lemire in the final minute
1: Leg from 22. He's got it! Baylor's defensive struggles cost them versus West Virginia.
0: It was bad.
1: I think this is the worst that a Dave Aranda-Baylor defense has ever played. Yes. I thought they looked awful. And, and look, West Virginia was playing with a lot of um, uh, pea and vinegar, mm-hmm. right? Because in a lot of ways, I think they were, they were playing for Neil Brown's job. Uh, this is pr- maybe a, maybe at least a, a, a stay of execution for Neil Brown there at, at West Virginia. But there is no reason to give up 500 yards to West Virginia. And there's no reason to give up more than 200 yards rushing. They give up 217 on the ground. They got carved up.
0: When's the last the time a West Virginia team has dropped 200 rushing yards on someone? That's like, a great that's question. Let's, let's
1: find out. Um... This is, I mean, it's probably been a minute. Let's see, rushing, rushing game logs. Well, um, I mean, they did it against Virginia Tech, who's bad, and then against okay. to Towson this week, this year. Uh, but yeah, they are not a team. Not that, against a
0: notable opponent, right?
1: Exactly. It's been a minute. Uh, you, you can't, you can't. I thought what was so frustrating watching this game for Baylor. Is that it's not like they were getting out schemed; Mm -hmm. they were just not tackling. Mm -hmm. The tackling was terrible in this game, really bad, really poor for Baylor, and and very unlike them. And especially uh, coming off of uh, you know coming coming off of an an, an open date and having an opportunity to to get to get right going into this game, I thought it was really disappointing. Well, and I think that's the
0: thing is we like we expect to be talking about Oklahoma's defense in a scheme or Oklahoma uh, Baylor's defense in a scheme. Yeah, manner. Like, that's how good that it usually is. So why was the fundamental of tackling the thing bad. that cost you the It's ugly, ugly, like,
1: ugly. And now, by the way, a massive game against Kansas this week. I, I don't want to put it all on this, but if they don't beat Kansas, they're probably not making a bowl. Because um, so the rest game.
0: of their schedule is not they still light. Gotta,
1: they still gotta play Kansas State. They, still, they closed with K-State, TCU, and at Texas. Those are three top 20 teams right now. Yeah. So... Probably better beat KU this week, and the defense has got to pick it up because that was pretty. Big. And I, I I know that Blake Shapin went out, but the offense wasn't the issue. The offense put up forty points. The offense the offense put, put up like five hundred and thirty yards of, off, of 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 total of total yards. The offense wasn't the issue. The issue was the defense, which is strange to say about a Dave Aranda's team. Number two,
2: Ewers into the end zone. They take the lead. Touchdown, worthy and catch for fun as they did when you play defense like iowa state it gives you one-on-one matchups on the outside xavier word comes inside where the guy has help and then he gets it back out so
1: smooth with it and there's sarkisian knowing hey they're gonna have Xavier Worthy's perfect fourth down route saves Texas versus Iowa State. We mentioned it yesterday. Win your clunkers. Texas didn't play well against Iowa State, playing in several. Now, give Iowa State a lot of credit. They were kind of fighting for their season. They, they came out and they played well, but Texas didn't play particularly well. They get down there trailing five, under five minutes to go, fourth and goal at the three, basically a two point conversion. Mm-hmm. We mentioned this with AM and Alabama. In situations like that, you think players, not plays. Mm-hmm. You think players, not plays. Your best two players. I mean, if you want to run the ball with B. John Robinson, you can. But if you're going to throw the ball, it's it's got to be to Worthy. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Xavier Worthy. That's a whip route, and that's one of the best whip routes you'll ever see. And that I, is a that is a that's teach tape. That's a clinic right there. That is spectacular route running right there.
0: And I feel like that was the perfect play call because in any like it shows how dangerous Texas is playing right now because everyone would have assumed when you are that close the game's on the line you give it to Bijan because your running game is mm-hmm. spectacular now they have the guy in Quinn and they trust him and they said you can get this to a receiver yeah, absolutely
1: I mean he knows he's going to put it on the money mm-hmm. they feel good about that you know not to cont- continue to contrast mm-hmm. it with the a and Alabama ending but like I don't know if you can trust Haynes King to put that to make that right. kind of throw Furthermore, furthermore, you've got single coverage on the outside and you are trusting a a veteran, skilled route runner to beat his man.
0: Yeah, if Bajan Robinson is your backup
1: option and you're doing pretty well. And beat his man he did. That is a textbook route. That's why he's a Sunday player right mm-hmm. there. That's the kind of stuff that you're looking for. That is a picture perfect route on fourth down at save their bacon. Now, you could also put Xavier Hutchison's drop in this yeah. as, the, as the biggest moment of the weekend, mm-hmm. most certainly. But as far as what Texas did, yeah. that's the play of the week.
0: Well, and them. we mentioned it yesterday, but we haven't seen a Texas team be able to win their clunkers like right. that in years. Yes. That's, that's been the true. difference.
1: But it wasn't the biggest play of the moment of the weekend.
2: Number one. I can't imagine that they will give single coverage on him. Duggan pulled it back under. Duggan! lunging for the goal line! Down short of the goal line! But it'll be a first down. It in the field if the runner is short of the goal line at the one. And no safety help. Do they take a shot at him? No, they give it to Miller.
1: overtime heroics keep the Frogs perfect against Oklahoma State. I'll be honest, there is a minute in this game where I thought Oklahoma State was going to run away and hide.
0: It was after the second Sanders rushing touchdown in the first five minutes of the game.
1: 4.33 to go. He caps a nine-place 78-yard drive. To bounce in for an eight for an eight-yard touchdown run to go up fourteen nothing. Mm. TCU's already gone three and out and then five and out, mm-hmm. and and Oklahoma now at that point has two play two drives, fifteen plays, a hundred and fifty-one yards.
0: They literally let Spencer Sanders just, get into the end zone twice, yes, <laughs>
1: carving them up. And there was a minute there where I'm going, well, party's over TCU, but give them a lot of credit. They they battled back. The defense started bowing up, came up with big plays, um, and they they held them in this game. And by the way, remember, this game could have gone worse. It, it got worse from there because TCU turns the ball over on downs in the middle of the second quarter uh, at the Oklahoma State 11. They're down 24-7 at that point and giving the ball back to Oklahoma State. Okay, But at that point... TCU's defense goes, this is Oklahoma State drives, punt, punt, end of half, field goal, field goal, punt, interception, punt, punt, end of regulation. They held them in the game to allow the offense to wake up. So the defense figured it out. Give a lot of credit to them. They were able to, they were able to kind of diagnose what Oklahoma State was doing at that point. The offense woke up. Max Duggan, Put on the cape again. They figured out that why don't we just make the whole plane out of Quentin Johnston. Oh,
0: six to say There's who put on the cape.
1: <laughs> make the whole plane out of Quentin Johnston. And they start running the ball decently. Mm-hmm. Like you saw Kendra Miller get in for the game-winning touchdown. Uh, he had 100 yards in this game. Uh, and, it's hot, and and early in this game, it looked like they were not going to be able to run the ball at all. But it started working, and they pulled out the win late. And, and I think a lot of that... A lot of that comes down to you know. Look, this is a veteran team that's got some guys that on there that are not going. The moment's not going to be too big, and they were, and and went and again down the stretch. And what I think is what I think is important. You look at that final drive. Like they need a touchdown to win. They're in overtime, right? Kendra Miller run for six. Kendra Miller run for seven. Kendra Miller loss of one. Max Duggan twelve. Max Duggan loss of one. Kendra Miller touchdown. Kept the ball on the ground. They're like we're gonna. Pound you and we're we're gonna we're gonna make it quit.
0: That twelve yard run for Duggan was huge because I believe that was on a third down. The it was second it was second, 11. second and eleven. Second okay. eleven. So yeah, certainly had, you
1: better pick up at least six right. to set up third manageable.
0: Well, but. because we thought that he was we could tell he was gonna keep it, and then it was like, okay, but yeah, to actually get the first down, that was huge momentum boost because they went hurry up pretty quick after that.
1: Uh and suddenly TCU six and 0. Suddenly, TCU is ranked, what are the rankings out They're number eight, eight top yeah. ten, and a huge game this week, hosting Kansas State.
0: And that stadium was packed. Like I, I've been to quite a few games at, at the Carter, and I have not seen a stadium that enthralled in a game in forever. So there you
1: have it, TCU's Overtime Heroics, the number one moment of the college football weekend. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, Talking Football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Campbell's, And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com Pickle. First National Bank of Omaha is proud to support communities they serve every day by spotlighting impressive young people and their schools through the Impactful Leader Program. This week, we're proud to recognize Agape Lawrence from Frisco Emerson High School. Read more about what what makes Agape a great leader at TexasFootball.com. First National Bank of Omaha, the great big small bank. Now a word from our friends at VCR Now.
0: (laughs) 855-GO-VCR-NOW. Again, that's info at VCRnow.com or by calling 855-GO-VCR-NOW. Pickle, let's go to the hotline.
1: Let's welcome in the Texas High School Ball Hall of Famer the voice of the Texas Longhorns. Uh, you can see hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday uh, from 10 to noon with Jeff Howe. And you can also uh, hear him on, or see him on Valley Sports Southwest on High School School Board Live every Friday night. We're joined by the great Craig White. Craig, uh, we have el- eliminated every suspect um, in, in the power outage on Friday night at Valley Sports Southwest. But, um, you know, most notably, you were not at the studio before the power went out, and then it went out, and you showed up. That's we, curious. We have theories.
2: Yeah, I was uh, I was driving down Royal Lane, and I saw the accident. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's yeah. it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it is funny that you bring that up because I was on you know like as they say in the airline industry, final approach, coming down Royal Lane, and I saw. I really did see. Uh, lots of uh, police uh, lights and I saw a fire truck and that's when Aaron Hardigan called me and Aaron said we're going to have somebody meet you at the back door and I said well, that's very nice of you but I got my key card so he said it won't work, there's no power on in the building and I'm like oh, really? Okay so uh, it was kind of a surreal moment there, that picture in there you know, uh, it, it reminded me of the old uh, the old Diner ESPN promo. Follow me to freedom, you know, through the darkness and everything. Uh, it was uh, it was a it was a rather bizarre evening, no question.
1: It was a bizarre evening, and it belied a big evening of Texas high school football across the state of Texas. Uh, and we talked a lot last week when we talked to you about the the great week in Austin, and and and, and specifically a couple of games uh, in District twenty five six A and District twenty six six A. Uh, and so now that the dust has settled on those week eight showdowns, um, do you feel like you have a better grasp on the landscape of those two districts, or are there still more shoes to drop, so to speak?
2: Well, there's shoes flying all over the place. Right? <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, in 25, 26 is pretty much wrapped up. It's it's settled. Uh, they, you know, there, there's even conversation down here in the greater austin area this week that that the lake travis dripping springs game has no meaning don't tell that to the people in lake travis and Drip. remember before the lake travis independent school district came into being in 1981 or at least the high school opened in 1981 anybody that lived in lakeway or out that way in the barton creek area and all that stuff those kids went to Dripping Springs. They didn't They didn't go to Lake Travis. There was no Lake Travis High School until 1981. Well, obviously that all changed, and so you had a rivalry uh, grow out of that, and they were on the same level. Now, I had Hank Carter on my show this morning, and he said, I don't think we played them since 2009 probably when Lake Travis was still then a a, what would now be five a program in their drive for five winning the five consecutive state titles and they and dripping springs were in the same district and and he said you know most of the people around here the kids and all that and a lot of other folks said it as well that was the rivalry it was lake travis and drip it wasn't lake travis and westlake uh you know because lake travis didn't become what is now a six a program Classification until after that, or around 2010, uh, 2012. So, so there was rivalry. So, don't tell them that now. Numerically. And what it means for playoff positioning, all that, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, Westlake is going to be the top seed in Division One. Lake Travis is going to be the number two seed in D1. And then uh, Drip is going to be the top seed in the D2 bracket from District 26. And Bowie will be the runner-up. It's not clinched, but it's all but, and it will be clinched after this week. So those are going to be your four playoff teams. The drama, obviously, is in the pairing with 25 6a where it got more murky more cloudy more dusted up more shoes thrown everywhere because of what happened with cedar ridge blanking manor that threw it into all kinds of uncertainty and and let me just run down a list for you Jeff, because here here's what it would be first and foremost cedar ridge is trying for this late push to get in the playoffs and they had some kids injured early in the season and now sam robinson's ball club is putting it together late among the, the one district loss they had very early was 30 to 10 to Vista Ridge. so you'd say okay in a tiebreakers at a minus 20 in 25 6a the ceiling is 13 points so they are minus 13 for that then they turn around and a blank Maynard, 22 nothing last Friday. So that's a plus 13. So they're at level zero for that. Manor is sit, sitting at a minus 13 right now after they had the two consecutive losses to Round Rock and Vandegrift, and those don't factor in here. But the minus 13 for the loss in, in the ratio, for the loss uh, their Cedar Ridge factors in as they get ready to play Vista Ridge, this week. What Maynard needs to do is not only win the ball game, they need to win by 13 or more and then create, you know, that three way log jam all at zero. And if it all happens that way, then they're going to go to a point differential for all of your district games. And that's an entirely different kettle of fish if it comes to that. So, in reality, in order for Vista Ridge to pretty much stamp its playoff ticket, all they really need to do is lose by 12 or less. Yeah. If they win, they're in. If they, uh, obviously, if they lose by 12 or less, they should be in. But that's the kind of drama. And then, of course, the secondary drama of that is if Maynard and Vistaridge get in, then Vandegrift goes Division One. Then you're talking about a bi district matchup between Vandegrift and Lake Travis. But if Maynard doesn't win, let's say Vistaridge beats them, if they do, then Maynard gets out and Cedar Ridge by handling McNeil in the final week because they've got to deal with Vandergrift and Round Rock. And, and and even if you factor in defeats in both of those situations, if they t- handle their business against McNeil in the final week, then they would get in and Cedar Ridge getting in pushes Vandegrift back to Division two. That's why their shoe's still being dropped everywhere.
1: Other than that, though, pretty cut and dry. Uh, <laughs> it's. it's- Talk with Craig Way, the Texas High School Hall of Famer, on Texas Football Today. Can involve the conversation with hashtag TF Today. You you brought up tiebreakers because this is tiebreaker season. Uh, this is all of us calling the coaches that we know, asking them, "Hey, listen, you know what? What's the district tiebreaker and things and, and, and all that fun stuff?" W- uh, one thing we have to remind people is that each district decides their own. Highbreaker. They they decide. They, they come up with the rules. They come up with exactly what they want it to be. Uh, it kind of they kind of fall into just a, a couple of different categories. I guess I'll just ask you, Craig. Would you if you if you ran the world and you were the you you and Dr. Charles Brightup up uh, you know uh, uh, switched places and he hosted a radio show and you were in charge of the, the you the executive director of the UIL. Would you prefer that there be a universal tiebreaker, or do you like the idea of giving it to, to district uh, give, giving the districts the power there?:
2: I, th- I think it has to go to the individual districts because the districts are so different mm-hmm. in size, scope, travel in terms of the rural thing i mean we've all heard all the legendary stories and we'll get into those over those next two weeks those three-way coin flips out of the truck stops uh out, out on uh, you know dark deserted highways in a diner or whatever you know we've 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 heard all of those stories and we and we've lived i've lived some of those stories so i know that sort of thing but it, i think it's got to be different because inner city school district tiebreakers depending on the size of the district could be vastly different than, say, a 16 or a five-team, far-flung, lower classification West Texas district. So I think it has to match the individuality of those districts and how they deal with it. So that that's why I would keep it. Safe. Now, if it we're up to me, mm-hmm. it would be a, what I would tell everybody is this: if you're going into week 10. Or the last week of the regular season, week eleven. And there's a chance of a tie break. And you find out at the end of the night your tie break. Get your team on the bus. Let's all go to one neutral site and and play overtimes between the three teams. Just do a little three way round Robin of overtime from the twenty five yard line in. Or where I grew up, North Carolina, from the ten yard line. You get four downs. See if you can break the tie
1: that Ooh, way. Like Wouldn't that. that be fun? That'd be very yeah, that very, would be fun. It's very XFL. Very Can good. we get that okay. on
0: TexanLive.com? Yeah. Uh, we'll do that
1: on Texan <laughs> All right, Craig. Uh, I have found a way to make my meanest thing even meaner. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. this week, because week nine, I know you've looked at the slate. I guess I'll just put it to you this way. This slate's insane, right? I'm not overreacting. This week of Texas high school football is uh, pretty singular. Am I correct in saying that?
2: Easily. Yeah. Easily. And, and the funny thing is, listen folks can really count and and uh and do it on more than one hand the number of times you or me uh, or Matt step or pickle a lot of people get stuff wrong in terms of our predictions on things but what we predicted at the start of the year that week nine was going to be cataclysmic has come to fruition so yes there's there's no exaggeration there
1: and so here's the meanest thing I can do to you which is I'm not going to give you three games. I'm going to give you the whole state. He's awful. You can pick any game in Texas high school football this week, but only one to teleport to. Which one are you going to?
2: I totally Gave it a lot of thought. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, I didn't know you were going to give me the entire state as a canvas, <laughs> but the two games that I narrowed it down to... Would, uh, would, you know, I, I, I had in my mind, and it would come down to between really and truly for me, it would come down to two games, and those would be China Refurio and Stevenville and China Spring. Yep. Mm-hmm. And probably when push comes to shove, I'm gonna go with Stevenville, China Spring, same, and and the reason why is. Not only are they number one in the state against number two in the state, and that carries its own sex appeal. Not only that, uh, but just this really and truly gives folks a chance to see if China spring once and for all is going to be a viable state championship contender. At the four A Division One level, we know Stephenville is a defending titleist, and we know that China won the Division Two title last year. And they certainly look the part of a Division One title contender. We get to find out for sure this week. Shiner and Refurio. Hey, I think it's only going to be round one, and maybe also for Stephenville and in China. But I can always catch up to Shiner and Refurio in the quarterfinals.
1: He's Craig Way, Texas High School Football Hall of Famer. Joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. Hear am on the horn in Austin every weekday from 10 to noon. Uh, and see him on Valley Sports Southwest, hopefully this week on High School School, uh, School no. Board Live. Uh, no. Uh, no.
0: Yeah, let's go. Uh, 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 They're going undefeated, uh, no. boy. That's
1: going to do it. Bye, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I don't hear you. Why, where's no. the copel chance? No.
0: Come on. It's great because I have control uh, of the phone. Uh, so, pal.
1: Uh, pal. <laughs> We'll see you, Craig.
2: All
0: right, see
1: ya. Here he Hi, Craig. The the jerk Texas high school football Hall of Famer Craig Way, the goat every week.
0: Two's ways, boy.
1: Today, um, who's
0: Lando got this week? I don't know. It
1: might be off because I think they're I think they're eight and zero, and I think they're still yeah. due their by. Let me see. They play Blanco. No, they got Blanco this week. Which oh is a good yeah, game. that's
0: the that's, that's the, the game that's that, the that the we've had circled. Yeah, because it, they, in typical week nine fashion this this week they or this year Blanco
1: open date and they close against Tom Moore where there's, there's a lot better than Tom mm-hmm. Moore in my opinion. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so this if, is the last if they win of, like, this the one on of the of their road, schedule. Yeah. On the road. And Blanco's not bad.
0: Yeah, they got but, Randolph and then they beat Mary and Blanco's like yeah. the last notch As we're the doing
1: alumni corner, let me tell you that Capel takes on mighty Hebron this week.
0: Oh, how about that?
1: Um, And Hebron, this is a pretty desperate Hebron team that needs a win to get back in the playoff race. But Capel is a comfortable favorite. Right now they're six and one. We told you they were back up. Anyway, appreciate Craig White. We're Texas Football tonight. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Coming up in here in just a minute, we're going to have the Dave Campbell's Texan Live Top 10 Plays of the Week. But first, Pickle, allow me to tell you about our friends at Dairy Max and the Assistant Coach of the Week. Because Dairy Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up again this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches for the Dairy Max built by chocolate milk assistant coach of the week. Let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It to the Dairy Max built by chocolate milk assistant coach of the year decided at season's end. Your week eight Dairy Max built by chocolate milk assistant coach of the week nominees. Jason Jones, Austin Westlake defensive coordinator. Perhaps you've heard of them. Facing unbeaten and high power dripping springs, the Shaps defense showed their medal in a 29 to 10 win. Lubbock Cooper defensive coordinator David Lakeman. In a low-scoring slugfest, the Pirates' defense stood tall in an 11-8 win over district rival Abling. Good win for them. Madisonville offensive coordinator Donnie Mitchell Blessing Gene ran for 153 yards and three touchdowns. Lorenzo Johnson caught two touchdown passes to help Madisonville pass Robinson, 65-23. And finally, Richland offensive coordinator James Bostick. Quarterback Bryce Morton threw for 433 yards to pace a 535-yard assault in the Royals' 45-15 win over Carrollton Newman-Smith. So those are your Week 8 Dairy Max, built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. All right, Pickle. It's time to roll out the Dave Campbell's Texan Live Top 10 Plays of the Week for Week 8 presented by our friends at Body Armor. We've scoured the internet, we've scoured the state, we've scoured the wires, we've scoured the train tracks.
0: Mainly the wires.
1: Looking for uh looking for the best plays from Week 10 or Week 8 rather. The t- best 10 plays from Week 8. We think we found them. Math. Here's the Week Week 8 Top 10 <laughs> Plays of the Week presented by Body Armor. <laughs> Four men in front for the Cats. Hammond will take a low snap, make the handoff, throws the out route, complete on the far side. Out to the 30, hurdles the 35. Out to the 40-yard line on the reception that time. Carson Forrest is senior wide. Over Meyer. Goes over the middle, caught by Pierce Richards. Richards gets out of a tackle. Pierce Richards is going to take this one all the way to the house. Touchdown, Kingwood Park.
0: Bulldogs get this foot off. Bounces. Finally picks it up inside the 40. Tries to shed the tackle. He does so. Picks around the 45. Down to the 50. Across to the 40. All the way down. Inside the 30. Got one man to beat. Can he do it? Yes, he can. All the way. Touchdown.
1: Bearcats. Second
2: 10. He cuts up field, makes a a little bit of a lane, and tries to marry across the 50-yard line. Little 40, diving at his ankles. It's a 20-10 touchdown. Oh, it came a little longer that time of a break, Logan. Two left, single right, and they hand the ball off. Hey, inside snap to Miller. If he got the dead, that's it. He goes 40, 30, 20, 10, not even close. Music. Touchdown, Miller. Yeah. 33. From the 33, a 67-yard inside slant
0: this one way back there.
1: And they go for the onside kick and it's recovered by the Falcons. Here's an open lane. Roberto can't beat him. My goodness.
2: Falcons score from Trevor Davey. Now Siblik standing at midfield, waiting for the kick. The Beltran gets a better snap this time. Here comes the rush. It's blocked and grabbed in the air for the touchdown. Four receivers on the top of the screen. They're going to throw it into the flat, a little double screen. A double pass back to Hatter. Amazing. Down the sidelines. He's got blockers in front, and he's going to score easily. There they go. From the 22, 17 seconds to play in quarter number two. Baker. Humping, firing, going for the end zone. It's going to be intercepted to the goal line by Tascasita. Convoy out in front. And they're going to run it back down the near sideline. And they're going to take it all the way 100 yards. For the touchdown, Javonte Himes. To end the first half, how about that? Scott throws middle high. But what a catch it is by Jaquez Petaway.
1: Touchdown, Langham Creek. They retake the lead. There it is, Dave Cable's Texan Live Top 10 Plays of the Week, presented by our friends at Body Armor. If you've got a play, you want to be in the Dave Campbell's Texan Live Top 10 Plays of the Week, tweet to us, use the hashtag, or Instagram, I suppose, use the hashtag, DCTFTop10. Alright Pickle, one last thing to do today before we get out of here, and that is to tell you about the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coach of the Week Award. Uh, Each week, Dave Campbell's Texas Football honors one coach from each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. The coaches selected throughout the course of this program have exemplified the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 8, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week in 6A. Charles Bruce from San Antonio Brandeis. Coach Bruce, in his second season at Brandeis, has the Broncos rolling with six straight wins after they beat San Antonio Roosevelt 33-23 to move to seven and one on the year and six and zero in district play. In five A, Phil Young from Fort Worth Arlington Heights. Coach Young has quietly put together one of the state's best stories on the west side of Fort Worth as the Yellow Jackets are off to a seven and zero start after earning their biggest win of the year, stunning heavily favored Coll- Collegeville Heritage 41-31. In 4A, Adam Cummings from Canyon West Plains. Coach Cummings and the Wolves are doing the unthinkable in their inaugural season, right in the thick of the playoff race with a team primarily comprised of sophomores and freshmen moving to 4-4 and after their 52-7 win over Leveland. level In 3A, Kevin Sherrill from Vernon. Coach Sherrill has the fans excited once again about Lions football after several down years. And uh, his squad improved to 5-2 and in 2-0 district play as they stunned state-ranked and unbeaten Breckenridge 28-21. In 2A, Craig Horn from Axtell, After winning just four games in the previous three seasons, Coach Horn has turned things around as the Longhorns improved to 5-2, and 3-1 and one in district play, with a 28-21 upset win over Italy, where Horn was previously the head coach until this past offseason. In 1A, Tori Pete from Groom. In, a up and down, in an up-and-down season for the uh, Tigers, first-year head coach Pete has the Tigers playing their best football right now, uh, but moving to 2-0 and in District 1-1A Division II play with an upset win over state-ranked Silverton. And the private school ranks Tino Villarreal from Brownsville to St. Joseph. The Bloodhounds fell behind 28-0 to Austin State Stevens. But Coach Villarreal's squad never quit, rattling off 29 unanswered points, including a touchdown as time expired and the game-winning two-point conversion to earn a thrilling 29-28 walk-off win. So those are your Week 8 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. Congratulations to all the coaches. Thanks for what you do for players, schools, and communities. For more information, visit texasfootball.com. Let's matriculate over to the producers' booth to talk to Miss 305, Ashley Pickle from America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Dolly,
0: that was quite an introduction. Um, a reminder on programming schedules for the rest of the week so we will have a show tomorrow it will be a recorded show but there will be a normal tft there will be a normal rof and then thursday is where things get different instead of tft we'll be rolling a wtf so women talking football if you haven't watched it before then tune in normally for tft and you'll get mallory hartley instead of greg tepper so i feel like that should be enticing and then no show on friday
1: No show on Friday.
0: We're going down the RGB, so not sorry.
1: Yeah, we're gonna go eat tacos.
0: Yep. It's gonna do for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. They put the freaking player the Follow
1: us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, (coughs) Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells and of course see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to the Hall of Famer Craig Way for being our guest for Ashley Pickle. I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.